This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Ahoy, shipmates. Yes, this conversation is with my friend and neighbour, Indy Halligan, and I don't really even know where to begin in introducing the topics we talked about because, quite frankly, I can't really remember because it was pretty off the deep end, as it always is <laughs> with Hindi. Um, so we slapped some microphones basically on a conversation that, or the kind of conversation that we'll have on a daily basis. So, yeah, I think we talked about God a bit and memories, and I think I had a bit of a rage at one point. Anyway, you'll hear it. Talk to you at the end. I was cleaning up yesterday and I was looking at the letterboxes and I saw a guy with all these glossy pamphlets, just like one, two, three, up to nine. And I poked my head out. I was like, I wonder if there's one in mine. And sure enough, there was. Mm. And I said to him, I was like, hey, have you not seen the sign that says no unsolicited mail? Mm. And he's like, oh, it's not a pamphlet, mate. And I was like, <laughs> um, looks a lot like pamphlets, me. <laughs> Um, and he's just like, nah, they go in every letterbox, sorry. And I, so I pulled mine out and I was like, it doesn't go in my letterbox, thank you. Handed it back to him. And that moment became like so weirdly intense as soon as I did that. Because it was like I crossed this like weird threshold of, I don't know, acceptable interaction with a stranger or something. <laughs> so then like, so he cycled off and then I was like, well, Did fuck. you take it back? He took it back. Well, I, yeah. put, I put it in his bag. Oh. I put it back <laughs> in his bag because he was so unwilling to even like, talk to me about this thing that fucks me off so much. And so I put it back in his bag and then he, as he cycled off, I was like, fuck, that was a pretty aggressive, like passive aggressive or aggressive thing to do, however you want to look at it. And then he said, as he rode off, he's like, it's not a pamphlet, it's a newspaper. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. And then as he rode off, it, it like triggered. I was like, wait, is this like a council thing? That, that is, is there maybe a mandate to ignore no junk mail signs and who's behind it? And thankfully, he circled back. So I got to say, like, hey, man, sorry, I think I got a bit, like, tense there. It's just this stuff really upsets me. And it's weird that you say, like, I'm, I know it's not your decision, but I'm guessing someone's told you to ignore all the no junk mail signs and put it in every letterbox. And he was like, that's right. Pulls out this, like, crumpled piece of paper from his wallet, and it's an A4 home-printed instruction thing with all these photos of different no junk mail signs and it says it's to go in every letterbox, including no junk mail signs. So I thought you and I could have a look at it together because I was like, what the fuck is this? And who's behind a, a mandate like that? Because he's like, he's advertising it to me like, oh, this is a newspaper. It's not just trying to sell you something. I'm looking at it immediately. It's got advertising all over the back cover that I can see. It's glossy as shit and I don't have that much sympathy for someone starting up like a printing, a glossy printed anything. It's got a cute puppy on the front though. You know, it's got a, well, instantly that's it's a very like, good. Well, like, this is why you're here. Indy. It's like the, this is why you're here <laughs> instantly. Thank you. It's like the um, when when you're like drinking the last sip of a water bottle and your sibling asks for it and then you leave just enough water so that they can drink it and then they'll deal with the plastic water bottle at the end. And oh, my go, oh, God, that's You calculated. touched it last. Yep. Your issue now. Hey, my responsibility. <laughs> it's like him just being like, 
No, not my issue. I've done my job here. So you mean yours now because you're touching it and I'm not, I, you're yep. the last one to touch it, so now it's yours? It's my responsibility. I'm sure there's one in your letterbox as well, so now <laughs> you've got two. Now I've got two and I'm going to do with two. <laughs> but how fucked is that? That there's, like, people out there, there's human beings at the, behind that instruction of, like, fuck anyone who tells, who tells us no, basically. It's a trip, man. What's it called? Northern Beaches Review. Northern Beaches Free Review. Well, that much is clear. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It pissed me off, man. And I hate being rage. I hate being full of rage, Indy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm past the rage point. This just just doesn't even surprise me anymore. I oh I I went to um, go get udon noodle soup today. Yes. Um, with with a lovely um, glass container covered by um, a piece of wetsuit that. A friend made for me that That's I shall like, not name. Sounds like a good friend. Mm. And um, <laughs> and I go to the store and I'm like, oh, can I get um, the udon noodle soup in this? And they're like, oh, it's not going to fit. And I was like, I'll just have less then. Like, just make it fit, whatever. Um, and um, then he was like, oh, I, I get what you're trying to do. Like, I appreciate you're not trying to use plastic, but um, in my 20 years of doing this, like, I wouldn't risk it because I think it's going to break the glass because the soup's too hot. And, and then I was just thinking, like, can't you just cool it down? Like, if it's that hot that it's going to break the glass, it's too hot for me to eat anyway. Or just preheat it's the not, glass. It's not serving temperature there. How does that work with coffee? Like, Yeah, it's, it's, it's clearly, like, you couldn't, it wouldn't even be safe to serve to me if it's that hot that yeah, it's going right. to break the glass. Did you say that? No, I just kind of got shocked. And I just, like, looked at him and I went, okay. And then just kind of walked off because I just feel like those battles, are you going to win? Yeah, no, I went. I went to another Japanese place, very familiar, and um, I sat down and ate my meal instead because I was. Right. <laughs> I didn't want to try and have the same conversation again. <laughs> I've had that exact thing with the exact same container. Those one liter glass jars, mm. which are like so perfect for specifically Asian takeaway food, mm. because there's a lot of soup and curry and like all this stuff, and that that wetsuit cover just insulates it so perfectly. But I've similarly been rejected by a few, and it's like then I just don't even want what I've just paid for mm. as soon as that happens because I try and do it like after I've paid so that there's a, hopefully some level of obligation to like, come on, man, I've already paid, like, please use it. Mm. And then when you get rejected in that situation, then you're just like, well, now I just don't even want whatever whatever this is. Or when, you, or when they give you like a little, um, they, they do everything you ask for them, they, they put it in the jar and then they give you, uh, a plastic oh, a little, sauce. Yeah, yeah, the chili they think, sauce. They think that the sauce needs to be separated even though it's all going to the same place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mouth. I, <laughs> I, brought, I brought a bento box in once for some curry puffs and I opened it up and found a in it. They like gave me the bento box. I could feel it's hot and heavy. Oh, thank you very much. See you next time. Like open it up and there's two plastic containers. One of them's got the curry puffs and, and one and, of them's got the sauce. And you just <laughs> think like... <laughs> What did you think I was trying to accomplish here? Did you think I had an emotional attachment to this, to this box that I needed my food to go in here yeah. just to eat it? But what do you make of that culturally? Because I know specifically like in China, using reusable stuff is almost like having a suntan. And that's why you see all those old Chinese ladies with massive sun visors on. Because like traditionally, it means you're a peasant, you're out in the fields, you're working some menial job. If you're pale, got that perfect porcelain white skin, mm. you must be royal inside getting looked after sort of thing. And I think the same goes for packaging, as in like the more packaging, the more wealth. So if you're reusing, you must be poor because you can't afford 
the packaging or whatever. And I'm not saying it's like makes it forgivable or anything because I have the same like how the fuck like what did you think I, what did you think I was getting at here? <laughs> but but it's someone else's version of the best thing best service they can give you at the time. Mm. But it's it causes it's, you know what happens. I I work at um. Obviously, work at a store um, as a waitress, and when we're doing functions for people, we're instructed to do however many platters per um, two people, one one platter per two people. And if there's three people, we're instructed to do two, two platters plus whatever food comes out next. And you can just tell that they're not going to eat the food that you put in front of them. Right, but it's but just management is like, no, we want to look. Um, like we're generous, like we're not stingy, yeah. we, and so we must put through so much food at the beginning, even if you know that they're not going to finish it. Yep. Just so that for some reason we don't we don't look like cheapskates on our end. Yeah, just to like potentially protect yourself from that sort of criticism. Yeah. That is crazy. And so then there's just so much food wastage. Yeah, intentional food wastage. Yeah. It's like it's like that. It's like old 17th 16th century king shit where it's like i want the table laden with like four chickens and grapes all, all the time for some reason always and it's like yeah it's so archaic but that's such a fine line in hospo and food and bev because mm. when do you pull back and then it's like well like i've had dinners that i felt were geared towards someone a fifth my size <laughs> and been pissed off about it and so like and then i will never go back to a place that that i feel rips me off that way mm. but i also won't go back to a place where they they load it all up that way because aside from feeling like it's just this excessive amount of food it's also like cheapens all of it because it's like well can't, can't you can't value it very much yourselves or it can't cost very much to begin with mm. yeah but it's a very it's another one of these blurry lines <laughs> What was the last one we were just talking about? I've already forgotten. <laughs> the platters? Oh, I don't even know what was before that. <laughs> oh, it's the blurry line between... The packaging. Oh, maybe. There's been so many blurry lines. No, we were talking about one when you were sat <laughs> oh. over there. Um, is about was about university students. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even Oh, my God, we're hopeless. <laughs> I've only it just... It was something about, something about like, nothing's memory. perfect, right? Mm. Something about... There being no perfect solution to, I don't know, being a human being, I guess, mm. needing resources to exist. What was it about? I feel like it was about my youth. Oh, was it about you being just an, arrange, an assembly of ideas? <laughs> <laughs> I've I'm never not sure if we use those, that way. <laughs> I'm not sure if we use those words, but basically you said you're like, very impressively looked at yourself and thought like, oh, wow, I've absorbed all of these new ideas in the last two years. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like any of them belong to me because you've learned them, which I think is like a really mature way to think about knowledge as opposed to learning something and then feeling like you've always known it and then having ownership of it. So I find that like quite a fascinating thing to say because <laughs> it's just looking at yourself as this collection of ideas where you're only... But where's the blurry line then about that being just an original, unique human being. I, I don't even know if we are original, unique human beings. The more I, like, read, you know, all these philosophers, I just lose my sense of identity, and I don't, I don't know how anyone ever compares to, like, Aristotle or, like, Simone de Beauvoir or Audre Lorde and so, all those people, because I'm just like, how does anyone ever have original ideas when there's these people out here that are just 
going shit to the wall, like, yeah, screw everything. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's such a good call. But that's such an amazing, like, thing to think about reading philosophers and losing sense of identity. Because mm. wouldn't you expect, you know, philosophical evolution to mean, like, you're more sure of who you are and the things you believe in and whatever the ideas that are inside you I are. think I think the more sure you become, the more unsure you become. Like, the more educated, you, you just get even more lost. It's like, it's like when um, a kid asks, like, oh, why is the ocean blue? And then someone's like, oh, it's, like, reflects from the sky. Or, like, it's because of the sky's blue. And then, and then you get lost and you're like, well, why is the sky blue? And why it's does it reflect the sky? It's reflecting the and ocean, And you just get mate. double the questions. Like, every answer you get answered, you just get two more questions to ask back. Yeah, and it's when you stop bothering to keep asking them. But then when you stop bothering, I think that's when you truly lose your identity when you, you think you've just nailed it. Yeah. Or when you've just, or it, not even nailed it, when you've just like given up. Yeah. How sad is it's that? Either. I think they're both a type of giving, giving up. Yeah. But that's so sad. I hate seeing that in like resignation as just a thing about a person. I'm, like, it makes me so sad. That is such like a toxic thing that happens to people. Because mm. like, that can be a blessing or a curse. Feeling like you don't have identity or that nothing is original anymore or you can't be anything new or whatever. That can be a reason to throw your hands up and go like, well, fucking why bother do anything? Or throw your hands up and be like, yes, nothing matters. <laughs> no I'll expectations. Do it. I want no <laughs> expectations, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so how, like, does, does, do these philosophers have any advice on that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that because I think I struggle with it myself. I think I'm constantly in a, in a wave of, do I do nothing with my life? Do I do everything with it? Why can't I do either? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My life is going, I said this today, my life is going too fast and both too slow at the same time. Yep. And even though I feel like I'm in the moment, I'm never in the moment and I can't, oh, I said this to you some other time, I can't both be like so exhilaratingly content and happy you know like when you make like an intercepted netball or something that's just like so insane <laughs> yeah yeah and be so aware of the moment i just i can't be in the two places at once yeah i don't know how i got into this <laughs> no 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 that's i, I get it completely because that's that's like taking a selfie at some like experience that will then be less significant because you've bothered to pull your phone out and fuck around on it and let the screen just divert so much attention that it'll dilute the experience, therefore dilute your memory of it, even though you got that photo of it. It's like, it's like I want someone else to video my life so I can look back, but I don't want to be the one videoing it because I want to know I was fully in the moment. Yes. And then I'll look back and I'll yes. just go, I love that time in my life. Also, I love that it was on video. Thank you, my friend Ryan, who videos everything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're the best, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone was videoing you as well, dude, because what I feel right now is sick. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. So in a podcast recently that I did to myself like a lunatic, um, <laughs> we discussed um, the need for a quad. We, you and yourself. All the many versions yeah. of myself discussed. <laughs> <laughs> the need for a quad bike, like e-bike, a pedal assist e-bike. Mm. And my mate Fitzy sent me a link and it was invented very recently. And... In I, hate, I hate it when people steal your ideas before oh, you Oh, I know. But I'm more happy about this coming to fruition somewhere. Because obviously I could do it, but I'm doing other stuff. 
Yeah. <laughs> but so all I could think about was what you just said, watching this video, because yes, it's amazing that um, this thing actually exists and Fitzy found it within a day of me uploading this nonsense. But more captivating was the guy doing the review because he had Orion to just like, <laughs> <laughs> to just be behind the lens, giving him the floor. And so he got to use both feet and both hands and be like, I'm so-and-so and I'm sitting in this. And basically it's everything that I sort of envisioned it to be as far as independent suspension and just crazy like power efficiency and stuff. But he's just having such a time. And he now has this thing at the end of it because yes, like I can watch it here in Australia, but he can watch it with his family for the next ever for the next infinity and he'll have this perfect representation of the memory. But all I can think about now is that that's like corrupting his impulse, which I think we all have to manipulate our own memories, to live with them a little easier or to make them more beneficial to who we are now today or whatever. You know how like a memory is only as good as the last time you thought about it? Yeah. To do, he doesn't have that privilege anymore. True. And there's so many people, particularly like, social media influencers and, and like celebrities and shit who will never have that opportunity again because it sounds like a bad thing to like fuck with your own memories or let them be corrupted from the reality but it's a re and I guess that's ego but it's a really important thing that we do to be able to just keep moving it's, it's like when someone asks you like what's your first memory and and then you think it's like you, you recall like a photo and then you think that your first memory is like you in that photo and then you're like, oh, I remember like... It, it's like a photo association. You build yeah. a memory around a photo even if you can't remember it. Yeah, yeah. So I think the most pure memory I actually have is, and what I describe as my first memory, I know that it's my first memory because there's no photo of it. And it was... Wow. <laughs> it was... Um, I, I've always... Fuck, it, that's it, so it was, smart. And, that's um, so smart. And there's this... I think this fairy painted my face, like classic butterfly, like who wouldn't want a butterfly on their face, um, and gave me um, some fairy dust, which, you know, microplastics, glitter, definitely was that. And I was just you're prancing four, but around. But you're a four-year-old, right? Yes, like, yeah, I'm just prancing yeah. around with my bag full of microplastics, spraying them <laughs> around the world, you know, going, la-di-da, life doesn't time. matter, this is, this is the best thing ever. And then I remember, holy crap, my face is itchy. And I was allergic to the... Um, paint or, or it just dried out my skin maybe a combination of both and I, then I was just like itching this oh, butterfly no. until I looked like a complete disaster or I assume I look like um a complete disaster and um that's I don't really know what happened next that was that's that's my first memory but it's because no Ryan wasn't there no you know exactly. it's up to you Ryan I needed to know what happened next. no 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 <laughs> I'll be saying like Ryan glad you took that one for you know did some personal stuff or whatever yeah. because yeah. that was an important one to keep to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then you wonder, like, should I have ever videoed anything? Yes, exactly. And then, and then it goes back to that Zoolander, the first line in Zoolander where she's like, what do you think about some Aboriginal tribes that believe in photographing, taking away part of your identity or whatever? And, and he's like, who is he again? Ben Stiller. He's like, how many Aborigines do you see male modelling? Or whatever he says. <laughs> but that's the first line in that film is like this concept of, Indigenous people disliking certain Indigenous people, whatever cultures around the world, not taking photos because it steals a part of the spiritual essence of that experience. But then it's so, and in some way, it's like convenience is ruining our life because it's so nice when you like can't remember like what was so funny. Like you had a conversation with someone, you're like, what was so funny, and then and then you can remember it because you had a photo of it or something, and then you're mm. like, oh, 
like me and my sister went through that and we were just like, we had the funniest night and we can't remember what was so funny. But eventually it came back to me. So now I'm thinking everything's circular and you never need photos ever again. Yeah, or like, or is it just, is it just like shooting ourselves in the foot? Like is, is, is fucking Brian or whoever, no, Gary and Ryan's this filmmaker riding, test driving the quad e-bike. Like he, he's never allowed, that's, that, that experience is never allowed to get better now. Yeah, or, but even just consider this, Gary's still being observed. So in his mind, he's still playing to the idea of him being observed. As opposed to it as, being as this opposed thing to of him, the past. Him, no, as opposed to him not having a single friend there or not knowing that he's being videoed. Right. And, and then behaving com- differently. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, like, at least now I'm, I'm living alone um, for the next week or something. And I find myself doing something in my apartment and go, gosh, if someone saw me, I'd look like a lunatic. Yes, yes, But yes. then I go, fuck, I love being alone because I can do it. Yeah. And no one cares. And then I, and I surprise myself with how weird I am. And I, and I go, I would never be this weird and happy if someone was around me right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, especially not if someone was videoing me because I wouldn't be able to be so nonchalantly dancing in my living room for two seconds and then going back to complete normalcy. Yeah, and so is that just because this theoretical possibility of people observing you do that and then evaluating you for that behaviour, then interfering with you doing it in the first place? Yeah, I, I just don't think you can ever escape the idea, like like social expectations if there's a, like any type of videoing ever, yeah, even if yeah. you're doing it or not. Yeah. Unless, unless you didn't know. Unless I think you just cameras. described my, my like fondness for reality television <laughs> in one go. Because it's watching how people manipulate themselves when they know there's cameras on them mm. that I find the most fascinating. And then these people in these shows or people in real life with phones out and shit, if they find themselves... Actually, no, we're just talking about reality TV. <laughs> these dickheads, if they find themselves in a serious situation... The veil, there's like a veil between the person who they're pretending to be for the camera and the person that deals with shit in real life. And then when something gnarly happens that command, like demands all their attention such that they forget the cameras are there, this veil like flutters and they're suddenly like back to the person they really are. And you just get this instant, really sharp look at who, like, who that whole person is, not just what you're saying, where like you're only getting one version if it's in front of a camera. Do you think that's why religion is so effective? Because people feel like they're being observed all the time? Um, wow, what a question. <laughs> Jesus Christ, do you think, do you think, do you think it, Well, I'm not saying it's so... <laughs> I'm not saying it's so effective, but I'm saying if, if we were to assume that then people with religion in their lives are potentially better people, not saying all, but it has the potential to make people better people, is it only because... They feel as though they're being observed. Yeah, and then and they're but yes, and they have the confidence through some doctrine that what they're doing and what they're being observed doing is acceptable. Some like some rules saying yeah, yeah, yeah. is that is that obviously yeah, there's people must, that yeah, that, I'm I, I'm obviously um, putting it out here that I don't necessarily believe in a god, um, but and I'm sure there's people that believe in God because of like their love or whatnot, whatever faith, however faith works with them. But mm. I think there's got to be people that, are, that just feel as though, like, morally they're just being observed by some creature or force. Yeah, entity. And, 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 and therefore they, they must do everything right. Yeah. And is, is that entity just society? But then 
Yeah, but that's... <laughs> so, what do you think about the following fact? The ocean is Jesus Christ. <laughs> now you say something. <laughs> I don't have anything to say. So, I've been doing a lot of thinking about my own religion. I met um, the, rev- the reverend, priest, whatever, at the, our local neighbourhood's church the mm. other day. And we got chatting and he's like, oh, I've never seen you at Mass or whatever. And I'm like, oh, well, that's because I'm not a Catholic and <laughs> that's it, actually. <laughs> and so, but straight away, he's like, oh, so you're not religious. And I was like, no, 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 like, I consider myself extremely religious. It's just not, not that, not, not Christian religious. And like, I've been watching my behaviour mainly in the ocean where, and then comparing it to my Christian upbringing at a really heavily Anglican school where it got rammed down my throat and I hated it and I went completely against it. And I didn't get quite to, you know, um, what's the one where they believe there's no heaven? Like no in, God? In, oh, atheism. Not, didn't quite get to atheism, yeah. but was pretty much on the blurry line between atheism and agnosticism, agnostic, agnostic whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, didn't like the way it was shoved down my throat. Didn't like not getting answers to questions that I was having a lot of to- like hard time understanding as a 14, 15 year old. Going up to my like, I don't know, reverends or, or Christian studies teachers and stuff and being like, so like, and not knowing as a 14 year old how rude of a personal question this is, but going like, so why do you believe? Like, what is it that's like, what's faith, man? Like, hey, I'm in school, we keep talking about this faith thing, not 100% sure what it is. Can we talk about it? And all these conversations, the why conversations, always ended with just like, well, I have faith. Okay, what's that? Ah, oh, just don't really know. Like, it would never go anywhere. And it pissed me off to no end. And all, like, turned me around and marched me in the opposite direction to a really regimented, in, like, doctrinated religion. But now, I was, I've been thinking about myself in the ocean and the way that I interact with the ocean when I surf, how much time I spend in prayer and like what, what I would now equate to prayer that I never understood back in the day mm. and, and thinking about things like why bother care about the environment at all when, if it's all fucked, you know, just live comfortably and live conveniently and whatever and why I, why I can't stomach that and it's kind of the same reason that I have that I hated as a 14-year-old. And the, the answer is because I have faith. Mm. I have faith in this feeling of a greater power or an entity or something out there, and it's forming the basis of like my own personal religion, but with so many similarities to the Christianity that I like hated and rejected completely as a kid. To the point where like some of those Christian studies teachers and stuff would say, well, God spoke to me. Mm. And I'd be like, cool, what did he say? <laughs> what did she say? What did they sound like? Tell me a bit more about that. And, and it would never go, there was never yeah. details with it, but I heard that from a lot of people. And it fucked me off. So I remember it pissing me off so much as a teenager. But now, if you ask me why I have faith, I would say because I've, I've, had, I've had some dialogue, mate, like, because <laughs> God spoke to me or whatever. Yeah. And it, like, for, for some reason, well beyond the Bible, now it makes perfect sense to me, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I was, like, similar. I was, like, this really angsty teen, and I, I was in all these um, Anglican schools, and people used to be like, oh, 
I have faith. And I, I used to judge him. I used to be like, how can you be are, that are you silly? Stupid? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, there's science, mate. And now, like, with the person I've become, I've, I think, like, faith is a beautiful thing. And I'm definitely, like, I think where I stand is, I, I really like, um, I took a class on Islam, and I think it's la ilaha, some, some, some phrase with the, um, one of the most common things, and it's God is beautiful at, and no, God loves beauty and God is beautiful mm. or something. Um, and, and it really like got me thinking about like a lot of, a lot of their like thoughts are that God recreates himself in the world and that's why the world is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think like that's, that's where like my line of like faith is, is drawn is like, I, I feel so utterly connected to the earth. Like I'm so a part of it. Like I'm, this is, this is, I think, where my sense of anger comes from in terms of the climate crisis is because I feel so in love and both a part and, like, my essence wouldn't exist without the earth mm. that I can't believe that people are not in love with the earth. Like, I can't, the like that, that, is, that is the entity to me. That is God or that is, that is whatever it is to other people. Like, yep. like this... It's not me being selfish, like, oh, my God, maybe it is, you know. Maybe it's me being, like, my life wouldn't exist without the earth. Everything's about me. But it's everyone's and, and, life. And I wouldn't exist. exist yeah, exactly. But, but I'm always thinking through things in my own head, so it's, mm. it's obviously all, always about me. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so maybe it's so selfish of me to think, screw you, why are you ruining my earth? It's keeping me alive. Like, <laughs> but it's, I feel like it's so much deeper than that, and I, I just can't. I can't fathom how people don't see like your innate connection to this bizarre thing that has happened within the universe that has allowed us to exist as uh, conscious creatures. I think it's, I think it's like herd immunity from like critical (laughs) thinking, mate. (laughs) Enough, enough people where it's like, well, why would I bother having independent thoughts? Almost the same like philosopher conundrum <laughs> of like, well, everything's been thought for me. So I'm just going to switch this guy off and, yeah. um, you know, fire up the TAB or something. Like, but the, it's almost like you would think that switching off would then, I feel like switching off allows people to get back into what they should, should how they should be living. Mm. Just like a cow lives perfectly its own life. It hasn't fucked up its life. It's in its guys. It's having a good time. Yeah, you know, maybe it has a kid or two. Aside from you know the whole Lots agricultural industry, you know, and it does, and and it's you know it's lived its life, mm. and 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 it doesn't have anything to worry about. You don't have anything to worry about because you know it did exactly what it needed to do because it didn't have this other consciousness. Or I'm assuming the cows don't have consciousness. I hope I'm not offending some cows. You might be, uh, yeah. but you, then you would think that all we need to do is actually switch off, like just let ourselves follow our nose but yeah. I think that's I think we're switched on and we've switched off our inner nature like that's the issue I think there's like two switches mm. and I don't know if both can be on at the same time or both can be off but I th- like I think that's what humanity's lost like it's its ability to coexist and to know exactly what to do yeah or ha- has it lost that I think about I think about this this dynamic in terms of the evolutionary timeline since the very first Homo erectus, no, we're the sapiens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever one it was that like broke the first rock, 
with another bigger rock and was like, wow, shit, I can use big rocks to <laughs> make smaller rocks and then I can do stuff with those rocks. And then blah, instantly, that, that, that moment was this lightning strike into planet Earth of consciousness, into one particular animal that had evolved to the dexterity to be able to manipulate the environment. And then from that point onwards, this one originally 100% biologically driven being became 99% biologically driven and 1% technologically driven. And on an evolutionary timeline sort of extrapolation, you get to 2021 and it's like we're 50-50. And we actually, in fact, it's, it feels like we might have just gone over the threshold and now we're more technology than biology. And it's figuring out, holy shit, okay, well, we have to have both now because they're both here. Can't get rid of the technology, it's here. Too bad. So the best thing we could probably do is try and like keep the needle right in the middle and that, find that balance. And I reckon that's this switch that you're talking about where it's like we might have just ticked over and now it's 40% biology, 60% technology. And a lot of our biological impulses, which we rely on because we're still animals, are starting to fuck up. And that's why we're killing ourselves and going to war and doing all this fucked up human shit that we're doing. And it's because like the balance isn't there. And I reckon it's like flicking that going back to zero. Um, it's like, I think that's what a lot of like psychologists are saying now is like the reason so many people are getting into like these mental illnesses and these stress responses, including myself, is because when, when we were dumber creatures, we used to be, you know, we used to see a bear and we'd go, shit, and we'd have a flight or fight response. And that stress was immediately processed by our re physical response. But now we have so many stresses in our lives and there's, we don't have any responses to them that it just builds and builds and builds to the point where we we don't exist without stress really anymore or like mm. there's it, it's not never a part of our lives so then we can't adequately release it yeah yeah and so then we just become so detached from our natural state of calmness like when do you ever sit in silence when do you ever just sit and, and I make just, a point of it but it doesn't yeah. happen without me well, making but, a point exactly of it. and when when do people just kind of like that's what I do when I, like, I sit at the bus stop. Everyone's on their phones or everyone's listening to music on the bus. Like, I think no one sits, I told you this, no one sits next to me on the bus. I think it's because I'm the only one that's not doing something. I'm just sitting there happily. You're the loony on the day out. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, and I, I get lined up as well. I, I also struggle to sit in silence, but everyone's just kind of lost. I don't even know what to describe it. Yeah. The, the ability to be in their own company. Yeah to like be okay with just themselves and recognize themselves as more than one person so to make that okay. Yeah, and, and going back to like the point of like what motivated like the homo erectus or whatnot to smash a rock and then they were thinking about it like, oh, this is so cool. It's like, I think with our dopamine responses have become so estranged from what they used to be. There's now mm. like these um, retreats that you can go on that you literally don't do anything for seven days or you can't talk, you eat really bland food because like you, you need to reset your brain because it's so addicted to dopamine that it's like it now doesn't notice when it's getting the, the natural dopamine because it, it's so like strung up and... Loaded on the, yeah, the synthetic so, so, so it's... Yeah. And maybe that's why people are just so bored with life because we're just so addicted to... But who's bored, man? I'm not bored. Are you bored? <laughs> I think... Boredom is a good thing, though. I never get bored, ever. It's yeah. only ever, like, uh, I'm... The closest I get to bored is, like, frustrated that I there's something I can't do. And it's because I'm doing something else that I still want to do, and I just want to do too much stuff. I think boredom is a positive... Um, 
a positive emotion though because it, it signifies that you're wanting to do something, mm. which is a po- like a positive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A positive thing. Yeah, fully. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I I do it as a po- I look at it look for it as a positive thing and only ever do it intentionally though, to mm. realize like if I realize oh I've had headphones in since I finished work or something, then I make a point of it. But I mean surfing's so fucking helpful for that because you can't take anything out into the water. Mm. But yeah, I feel like people are really well from what I've noticed in in like I guess people I'm close with. Our, and when we share our experience of it, it's like there's this threshold of needing to not hate yourself. And it, it's the difference between feeling lonely and enjoying solitude. And if you feel lonely, it's probably because you can't feel solitude and be pleased. Like I had that for a long time. I had to really like pursue like preferring my own company and then building a social life from there, including like who I project to other people and what other people I want around me. I realised like that was kind of a bit of a bit of a shysty fucking scaffolding before I've actually done the work of starting to figure out how to be in my own company, and I think like that's a I don't know I was afraid of it for a long time. Mm, oh, I think I was afraid of it for twenty years <laughs> until yeah, last same, year. Same, you same. know, like until I like actually forced myself. I was like, no, nah, I'm living in a van. And, oh, and this I'm... wasn't me as a seven year old. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if like. I don't think you ever, like, stop being afraid to be alone because I think it's within our genetics to want to be connected. But mm-hmm. it's, I think it's learning how to be connected to yourself that cures that, like, loneliness. I think it's that and then also recognising your connection to everything around you. Mm. Like what you were well, saying, like connect- feeling like, yeah. oh, so connected and then angry that other people don't feel seemingly any connection to the point where it's disrespectful of the volume that you feel. I relate to that so much. I'm really glad that you said that because I completely get that. You know what I think is like, I think if you took everyone on a camping trip yep. out into the bush, <laughs> and you yep. know, Love it so far. Maybe you have a campfire, maybe you don't, maybe you have some marshmallows. Um, have you ever seen like people out in the bush like really have an argument against them and not be able to overcome it? Like, wait, I'm, wait, I'm wait. sure, like, if you, if you stuck them out there for two months. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think people will, go, will become violent before they'll resolve things in a lot of cases. I don't know. I, I, I have maybe an idealistic idea of nature that mm. it just cures everything. And it, psychology has proven, like, people are more mentally well the further out, like, the closer you live to nature. Mm. And that's why mental illness is so rampant in cities. Mm. Um, but I, I, I almost feel like, if we just went on little camping trips with random people, maybe our enemies, maybe this is what we're supposed to do in life. Go out on camping Find trips Find someone you really don't like. No weapons. Go, hey, let's go on a camping trip. So I'll, you, you carry me, poles, Tony Abbott, <laughs> Clive Palmer, and yeah. maybe Gina. And we go out. And Pauline Hansen's got to come. <laughs> <laughs> and we bring some two-minute noodles. Yep. And um, maybe, maybe some firewood, who knows. And we just go sit out there for a couple of days. There's no way that we don't start to feel connected as people, especially if we're hiking. Like if we're walking through, one of us has a compass, the other has a map, yes. and we can't exist without each other. I was going to say, maybe like, something forcing our need, unity. I think you'd need that. I don't know if we need it, but perhaps it would, would be a, a helpful tool. 
I think it, I think it would be an essential tool. Because I think several essential tools insofar as map, compass, snacks, <laughs> bottled water, all that stuff. I think without that, people, that would only work if everyone took their guard, you know, yeah, took yeah. their fucking armour off and just, like, settled in. And you could be like, Pauline, like, you don't really think you're Indigenous, do you? And, and like, and she could be like, oh, rolls, fuck, man, I was having a long week that week. <laughs> and, like, you know, and, like, to actually, and to, if, you, if both people couldn't, like, take everything off and just be normal with each other, and I think certain people probably would categorise Pauline this way, have this whole, have so much of their, like, self built around their ideas such that they can't change them, ever. And I so mean, they just never I'm not saying these people would go through an identity crisis. I think, but I think maybe it takes them months, but if they're out in nature, stuck from anything else... Definitely, if this was a Walking them, Dead scenario you know, of like, like... I actually think... Yeah. And, and, I, and it's trying to recreate that in, in a world that's so far away from them. So isn't that what, isn't that what um, climate change is? Is just that in really slow motion? Yeah. <laughs> because you think about this on a, on a micro version and we're talking about watching a movie like Saw or Hostel or one of those fucked up gore movies where it's like people have to work together to get themselves out of this short-term psycho scenario. Slightly longer term, we look at uh, something like Walking Dead, zombie scenario, it's a day in, day out, whatever. But climate change is like not just micro or macro, but like super macro because it's happening over generations. But it is about this team of people learning how to like recognise what each other's bringing to the table and pull it all to look after everyone. And it's kind of like what you're like wishing for. So maybe you're just wishing for real life as it is. But now, I, and right it's now. not not possible. Like I think the book I'm reading right now, The Climate Cure, it's arguing that we need to treat the climate crisis like we've treated COVID. Like and 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 it proves that we're not unable to come together and do a collective thing because we had largely successful lockdowns in you yeah. know, Australia and New Zealand. And everyone was like, yeah, we'll do it for each other. And this sense of community almost made, even though people are isolated, made people feel more connected than they did in their everyday Locally, lives. Locally, absolutely, yes. So it's, I don't even know where I'm going from here, but it's definitely possible, but it's just... It's proving that but, we and, can team up. And, yeah, and I think like, People are kind of going, oh, well, like, the climate crisis is too obscure and too, like, too big for people to fathom to actually put in the work now in their own lives because they either don't feel responsible or they just can't get their head around it. I don't know, X, Y, Z. But I, I really, like, resent that idea because we're already seeing the effects of climate change. Yeah. Like, front and centre, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and... And I'm just, I just keep looking at people. I'm just like, I don't think this is what you need to wake up anymore. I don't think we can blame it on the obscurity of the climate crisis because I don't think that's the issue. Mm. I don't know what the issue, but it's certainly but, not that. But think about, like, I, com I completely agree. And it scares me because it means there's some other sinister reason which is stopping people from waking up smelling the charcoal and going, fuck, there's a fire. Like, we need a... Let's go. Come on. <laughs> and it's because, like, I mean, to a, to a degree, you and I have a freedom that a lot of people don't mm. who make adult decisions, which is that we don't have kids. And so, like, that always confuses me about looking at this problem because I see people with kids who don't necessarily 
give this emergency the level of urgency that I feel it warrants. And I am respectful because, you know, I'm just one person there, another person, we're both doing whatever we want with our lives. But it makes me wonder, like, how come me and Indy and, like, a handful of other people that I've met have this, like... Like, it's almost like a poison where you, like, don't ever stop thinking about it and don't ever stop freaking out about what happens if, if we don't, if, if, like, if, you know? And... It's not even what happens if, it's what happens when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but, but you and I don't have that level of skin in the game, mm. right? Like, we're, we've scraped in. We're, we're going to get to live a full adult lifespan and not necessarily die from an inferno raining from the sky, you know? We're mm. going to get to have a really good run of it as in the glory days of being a human being in the 20th century as opposed to, what, three or four generations down the line where it's like a dead certain guarantee that they're going to be, like, living in an incredibly different world and surviving from day one. And, like... And so I'm always like, fascinated by where, where the level of urgency comes from or why it never appears. Yeah, and, and you'd think that... I'm sure there are parents that are so concerned with climate crisis because of their kids, but then there's so many generations that are just so unconcerned about their, like, their lineage, yeah. even though you would argue that they potentially love, like, love their kids more than themselves. But I think that's what I think that's what you just made like what you just triggered in my brain is thinking how much of an identity crisis it means for a parent, an established parent, or someone who hasn't been living in an environmentally mindful way. The identity crisis they're going to face in in coming to terms with it as a reality, and how differently they're going to need to start living their life, and what that means for the person they used to be, and it's like mm. this fear of needing to change or break free from the ideas you represent yourself with. And also the fear that I think at least parenting is like the fear of not giving your kids stability. Like yes, I think that's, exactly. And, but exactly, not you know alarming your you children. You know what's bizarre though? Totally. Is that, like, I think we were just touching on it. Like, the, what of the homo sapiens, homo erectus? We're such adaptable creatures. We're so worried about stability for ourselves. But we were made to adapt. Like, mm. that is literally the purpose of our consciousness. And so somehow we're so afraid of stepping out of whatever norms and an environment we're in because we're like, oh, well, we don't know how. I know how I'm going to do I know I can get through it. I'm, I'm worried about these other people. We think they're vulnerable. Mm. Like, we're not vulnerable people. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> we didn't get to where we are being vulnerable. Like, that's... Yeah, <laughs> completely agree. It's like, and evidenced by things like um, the... This, this, there was a crew of whalers on a whaling ship in the middle of the Pacific Ocean between like South America and Australia, PNG sort of thing, however many thousand kilometres south of Hawaii? I don't know. Um, yeah, Hawaii. Anyway, they basically got stranded in the middle of the ocean as far from a piece of land as you could possibly be. And it was like, I can't remember, like 30 or 40 blokes. And they survived, a bunch of them survived for three full months, ran out of food within a week. They just made good with trying to like catch sharks and stuff with their bare hands, eventually eat one another as they started dying. But they adapted and they just like, and you think about what... It's, it's, it's like um, a lot of like people are now saying that um, PTSD survivors aren't, don't actually um, start experiencing PTSD until they actually come back into their normal life because it's like... 
that they have already adapted to yeah. this bizarre life, and then it's coming back in, and and the shock that they experience somehow like having to de-adapt or like or it, it just becoming so mundane, or I don't even know. I, I I get lost in these psychological arguments, but it's. It's like the life of Pi. Have you seen that movie? Oh, I read the book. It's based, years yeah, ago. yeah, and it's the the tiger apparently doesn't actually exist. It was just figment of his imagination. But to him, it, it um, existed, and that's how he survived. Yeah, it just proves how. Yeah, like how adaptable we are, and how how we can how we can deal with any circumstance. But then when we come back into reality, it's like shoved down your throat. Like, no, this is this is the only way things are happening. Yeah. Like, like with him, like, no, that lion didn't exist or whatever tiger it was or whatnot or no, like, ex-veterans, no, this is how life is now. You have to deal with it. We're not going to be accommodating to you. Mm. Screw you. You didn't serve our country or anything. Um, <laughs> I don't even know, but that's... It's just bizarre that we... I think that's what we're all afraid of. It's, it's just stepping out and changing, yeah. even though we're, we're built to change. Yeah, or just, or just like having to confront old trauma yeah. of any kind that you've reconciled. But that's such, I feel like that's such an understandable thing to want to avoid. And that's what we do. It's like run away from uncomfortable things. <laughs> and so as a... I just got a picture of you just arms flailing. Yeah. That's how I run. With my arms in the air. It's exactly how I run. Hands facing backwards. <laughs> my legs are actually like just circles, just yeah. spinning. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just spinning. Like you're that little emu that always There's gets like, chased by that wolf. There's smoke behind me because yeah. I got... Terrible emissions, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hands up. That's me. Yeah, but you think about that. You think about that in terms of parents with children not wanting to alarm their kids and not wanting to confront for themselves the reality of the climate emergency, because it involves like just digging into so much old trauma and just opening up some, like, yeah, something horrible. And it's scary. You just become a shell of a person when you start doing that. Yeah. Well, I mean... Unless... I mean, I had to do it. I was, I was such a shitty person. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I, I feel like my... With my judgment of religion and everything like that, I think I was, like, a very angsty, like, I hate the world. Like, I, I still believed in climate change, but I was just like, no one's ever going to do anything about it because people are shit. Like, I had no faith in humanity. Um, therefore... I can also be shit. <laughs> and I still thought I was more awake than other people, but it was just like, um, I don't know, this overwhelming self-righteousness um, <laughs> in, in the fact that, that everyone is terrible human, so I can't be the most terrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And, and on top of that, I had a crippling sense of, insecurity to the point where like I didn't even know I was insecure because my whole identity was founded on what I wanted other people to perceive me as that I just thought that's how I acted until I started going to therapy and all the bricks just started crumbling down and I just was like I don't even know who I was went through this massive identity crisis and then I was like screw you therapy you're making me feel even worse (laughs) Because I don't even know if I, like, I felt like I was just putting the bricks together. I was like, do I want to be kind? I don't know. Do I want this brick in my life? And I, like, it was freeing because I could decide who I was. But at the same time, it was just so utterly scary because... Because you're a blank canvas or... Yeah, and and, and, and when someone would say something, I was so unaware of who I was. But I didn't know what to say back because I didn't know, like, 
how I should respond or how I I am responding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it yeah, took yeah. me so long to actually get instinctuous responses that I knew were my own self rather than what I thought other people wanted me yeah, to yeah, do. Yeah. And I think I'm still doing that. It's still so hard to to, to know what it like was that laugh actually because I wanted to laugh because I I want them to hope that I'm nice and, and know that really, I might think it's funny or But something. that's a really good point because that specific situation isn't necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad thing if you didn't want to laugh but you notice yourself laughing because you want to ingratiate yourself to somebody mm. else because that's going to make them feel great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, like, it's obviously things that are like, it doesn't matter if it's not you because you're, you're yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like lying to save someone's feelings. But then where do you draw the line? And I think we've gone so far past, past the line to the point where we don't know who we are anymore. Yeah. Well, at least I didn't feel like I knew who I was. Well, I greatly admire your ability to like to look back on that and to like talk about it because that's crazy. I think crazy. I'm talking about myself now. It's amazing. <laughs> Going through an identity crisis as we speak. Yeah, but then, but that means that just thinking about who you are as a person is an identity crisis, and then sign me up. Like I've been, I've been in yeah. an identity crisis my whole life because yeah. <laughs> the same thing. And I think you're right that there's no getting rid of it because mm. I still I feel like. I recognise that exact same dynamic as a component of my own mental health or a pretty malignant component of my own mental health, mm. thinking it's being my organic response is being compromised too much by how I'm worried it's going to be interpreted or how some, this person's going to perceive me or it. And then tr figuring out, okay, I need to be a bit more conscious of that. But still, I'll like, catch myself in the exact situation, like laughing or saying something and then Five minutes later, I've got my own words in my, ringing in my ears. I'm like, oh, why, like, why did you say that? Or you just sounded, that sounded ridiculous or like something and trying to get to the bottom of why that was. It's so annoying to like, to have it as an impulse it's and to just moderate it and try and pay attention to it all the time. You start just like not trusting your thoughts. It's like, I don't even know if I want kids because I feel like it's just been shoved down my throat that like a woman wants kids in her life. And I remember, like, that's probably one of the youngest things I thought when people were like, well, what do you want to be when you were up? I remember saying I want to be a mother, but was that because I just had dolls as kids and, mm. like, I always mothered them? And now I can't trust any motherly response I ever have because I think it was taught to me. So yeah, I say right. babies and I just... I, even though my body's going, oh, cute baby, I'm like, no, ill, get away from me because, wow. because I feel like it's, it's not my own response. Yeah, yeah. But isn't... But... <laughs> There's something to be said for that being a an automatic response of people with a who are born with a female gender, or isn't it? I don't like. Isn't there like a very me like chemically measurable thing going on in a female body as far as being clucky or whatever it is? I, there is at least with your own children. It's like there's definitely science that shows your amygdala opens when you um, are ready to go like, through a pregnancy, really? or, or um, it doubles inside. I hope it's your amygdala. It's some part of your brain that is responsible for the worrying. Um, mm. And it oh, this is an interesting study. So they studied women. I think I I hope it was at the birth of the child. Um, maybe it was still at pregnancy, but women that had children, they studied their brain before and after the pregnancy or after the birth, and their brains completely changed. They studied the fathers, nothing happened. They, um, but then they studied um, two fathers have, having adopted a child, mm. and both fathers changed their brains in the same way that women's brains changed. Wow, so across how you, many, how, what kind of sample size? 
I think it's a pretty reputable study. Otherwise, I don't know if I'd quote it, but you know what? I have this stupid thing of bringing up points that I don't even know where I got That's them right. From. My team will fact yeah. check. <laughs> exactly. Um, you can see Luke but, up the back. Yeah. <laughs> Just note that down. Yeah. Um, I don't know. From what I understand, I thought it was a reputable study. Um, so then it, your question, is it then a biological response? Mm. Or is it this socialised response that the woman is the caretaker? Because if homosexual men can do it, why can't all men do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what um, wow. what actually happened with... I don't know if they did study lesbian couples um, because I think that would be interesting to see if only one woman did it, like they were taking on... Yeah, or if neither two, of them did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, who knows? That would be a real spanner. That would be. If neither of them did it, that would be like almost like perfectly linear, wouldn't it? We yeah, yeah. It's just a weird thing that happens, everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then you, you just wonder what is... Um, what is actually natural about gender and sex? Yeah. I think, um, who said it? Uh, this is the quote that's always baffled me and I always think about is, I think it was Simone de Beauvoir um, talks about gender. She's awesome, crazy lady. Um, and she writes this phrase, gender is performative. And it, she doesn't mean it in the way that uh, you... Gender is performative. She, yeah, she doesn't mean it in the way that you... And she she oh, she goes ham on the whole like historical like women were like their bodies were like meant to be like mother like she just tears everything apart. Okay. I don't know how to explain it, but you just kind of go whoa, hang on a second, and and you don't even get enough time to catch your breath before she goes into this whole performative thing. Um, but she starts going on about it, and she doesn't mean it in the way that you act a certain way to be a gender, nor do you choose to act a certain way. I think it's like this deeply profound expression of yourself that then becomes gender or that, and then gender becomes vice versa, but whatever way. And, and I think, and then the way that she, like, I don't think she meant this in terms of performative, but now when I think about it, it's like something that when you see someone perform gender, it's something to have awe for which is what I'm starting to think of gender as. Like when I see trans uh, women, trans men or non-binary, I have so much awe for these people because mm. they've been able to however detach themselves, maybe attach themselves, maybe they are a part of societal expectations, maybe they fully know that they were supposed to be that gender, maybe not, but it's such like... I don't know, their ability to just... It's a just, very deliberate representation. Uh, yeah, and, but it's not even a choice at that point. It's the way they're... Like, it's, it's not how they look that I'm in awe of. It's their mannerisms or, yeah. like... And, and just their, their self that I think is... I don't think is what Simone was touching on, but I think what I've got stuck on now. Um, and I think, like, now I think about it in myself and I, and I just go, gender is so pointless but so beautiful at the same time. Mm. Um, I even have now been like saying like I think my pronouns are they she like I would prefer if people refer to me with the they them pronouns only because whilst I'm in love with my womanhood and I am I, I I associate with it with whatever I determine it to be I think my womanhood isn't a necessary point to convey in a conversation about me unless you're specifically referring to it. So if you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to go hang out with my friend Indy, wow, she's okay. really cool, 
why did you need to designate that I'm a she, like I'm a she or that I associate myself with a she? And I'm not, I, I'm not um, offended at all when people use she, her pronouns because I've been referred to that my whole life. I still, I have almost no preference, but I am now making an effort when I talk about my friends to use they, them pronouns because I think their gender isn't... Um, Necessary not only is it necessary, but it fundamentally changes how someone will perceive of the person you're talking about. Like, I, you could describe me as a really assertive, I believe I am assertive anyways, but you could describe me in however many ways you wanted. And it doesn't matter what um, nouns you use to describe me, mm. whatever gender you had put with my pronouns will fundamentally change how someone is perceiving those nouns so they'll hear assertive yep. and she and they'll think bossy or like that's your typical response. And even if people want to think that they don't do that, they still do. Like I'm still sexist. I'm still going to have like... Um, Assumptions. Like subconsciously I'm still sexist. Everyone is because of the way we've been brought up. What do you mean by that though? Like I'm st- I, I will still have not a natural response, but a taught response of seeing, like, of, of hearing someone talk about a doctor and think they're talking about a man. Like, and, and, and that's a subconscious, almost sex. It's not necessarily completely sexist because it might be statistically correct because there are more, I, I believe, or I assume, there's more men doctors than women doctors purely because, you know, history um, and their ability to access education. Mm. But... Um, I think like that's where our assumptions are are ruining us in terms of gender because we're always like there's always gender underlining everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I which is why I, I think the they saying. them pronouns are so. Um, I was, well, I'm like, thinking powerful but useful because it, it forces people to disassociate gender. And then when I tell someone I'm like, oh, I hang out with it, um, this friend, they're really cool, and I use really neutral pronouns to describe them, they always will attach a gender depending on the activity I describe. So if I go, oh, like I'm going out to um, dinner, then they're like, oh, who's the guy? Because everyone will hetero assume. Or I'm like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with a friend and go to the beach. Then they might assume that it's girl. Or and they won't pick up on the pronouns of mm. me using them. So, so I completely, I really appreciate that breakdown because I've never thought about it in those terms as, it, as far as it being an unnecessary addition to, to a sentence, to a conversation, to someone's thought of you or like picture their painting of you. But what about when you do that for somebody else and automatically assign them a they, them pronoun, isn't that causing the effect that you're trying to avoid, which is that, say you and I are having a conversation about Susie over there, and I say, oh, yeah, that's Susie. They're, um, they're doing this or they do that. Or you say that to me, rather. Mm. Straight away, I think, oh, wow, Susie cares a lot about her pronouns. And then Susie might not give a shit, you know, mm. at all. But it's changed my assumption of when I eventually meet Susie, I'm going to be like approaching that conversation differently to had you just used the a she and I wouldn't have even noticed. Does that make sense? No, it definitely makes sense. But I think no one's aware enough to actually notice when you use they, them pronouns. 
Because mm. a lot of the time, like, people use them nonchalantly, don't even realise they're using them. They're going, oh, I'm going to see a friend there in hospital. Like... Yeah. And you wouldn't even pick up that they had used neutral pronouns yeah. then. It's, it's such... And then pe- that's what's so bizarre. They're such... They're like, they are very commonly used in situations that people don't notice them. But then when you ask people to use them and that now they're aware of them, that's when they kick up a stink, even though they've been used for ages. Yeah. So and, that's they them, not like all of the new ones that have been I, I, don't, like I think the new ones up. are actually potentially older than they then. I, I don't know. I think... But like, isn't it 80 I'm, or something now? I have no idea. I, I'm, I'm unaware of the other pronouns and until someone asks me to use a set of pronouns that they identify with for themselves or, or, or puts it up on their social media or whatnot. Mm. Um, I don't think it's like necessary to get into the nitty gritty of what pronouns people um, are really like trying to use and you're like, oh, why can't they just like be happy using like normal pronouns? Why do they have to do this? And all this stuff, it's, it's, one, it's like none of your business, and two, like, is it really that hard to do? Like, yes, it, it takes Demi Lovato, for example, has come out as non-binary, and so is Sam Smith. So they take they them now, and and you know, I, I'm sure there's people coming out of the media and like, why did why did they have to do that now? But it's I just I don't even know. I I just keep thinking it's none of their damn business. But, yeah. but um. I think it's like but if it's, it's... it's just something like people are like putting so much thought, like consciousness into it. They're overthinking it, even though like they, them isn't a pl- plural pronoun. It's also always been singular. So what's the big deal? I think it's, I think it's the big deal is maybe that we've lost the assumption of generosity and assumed an assumption, like assume that we are receiving assum- like assumptions in an attacking way. Where, for example, in the example you just gave of, you say, I'm going on a date tonight, someone automatically goes, who's the lucky guy? Mm. And hetero normatively. Oh, yeah, I did well with that one. I'm pretty proud of myself (laughs) for saying that. Um, Anyway, for heteronormatively assuming your preferences, that, I would argue, on their behalf, if I was their defence barrister in the high court, that them assuming that is based off a majority of people being heterosexual and not designed with any malice at all. Oh, and I never think it is. So I, that's, so that's so, great, but I think that that's where the problem lies is that, is that other people might receive the same commentary from somebody and they're like in your position, someone else might hear someone go, oh, who's a lucky guy, and get angry about it, that like how but, come you don't know and then suddenly get self-righteous about something that this person never designed to be hurtful. I don't think it's necessarily anger in the terms of that person purposely doing something hurtful. I think it, like if there were to be anger, which I think is you know, 1% of the population of non-binary people might get really, really, really frustrated at being misgendered. Mm. Or, you know, it's always, it's always like the extreme. Yeah. Um, but, gosh, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> you just reminded me, actually. I think we were talking about the bell curve of people who get disgruntled about shit in life and the minority being the most vocal. But you just reminded me about this glossy piece of <laughs> shit. And I think we should end this podcast by calling up 
So yeah, I'm guessing from that conversation, you probably have a good idea of the gargantuan processing speed of Indy's brain. So much fun to have those conversations. And yeah, that was just a blast. So thanks for listening. And I hope it may be, I don't know, even if it just kept you company, I was about to say something really self-congratulatory, like, oh, I hope you learned something from it. What does anyone learn from that, Rolls? <laughs> Um, no, but what I do hope is that maybe, I don't know, maybe you were just bored when you were doing laundry and you needed company or something. Uh, whatever. Thanks for listening. And, um, and hopefully you'll, you'll listen again sometime and we'll talk soon. Cool. 